Welcome to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. Today we're talking to student cast and crew for our summer term drama, Burnt by the Sun, which runs in Milton Court Theatre from the 26th to the 30th of May. Joining us today are sound designer Erin Witten and cast members Emily Celine Thompson and Logan Georges. We realised that there was a film in 1994 mm. and is that this might this play might be slightly different because it's a, it's an adaptation but I don't know whether you know anything about the original uh, well unfortunately Joe hasn't allowed us to watch the film yeah. oh really I've, I've seen just, the film oh well you times. might be we've all been to told to watch the film you guys haven't been allowed to watch it just yeah. because it might it might yeah. Mess. It can sometimes make you feel like you have to do exactly what, or, or you see an actor do your part, and then it messes with your head a bit. And so Joe's just said, probably don't watch it, guys. <laughs> as far as as far as I gather, though, the film's slightly different in that Joe said it. Um, the main character is Nadia, the little girl, but in the stage one, it's her mother Marussia which is more the focus it's interesting that you weren't allowed to um, to watch the film you, have you now been sort of desperate to see it <laughs> I'm really intrigued yeah told not to it's a great film actually yeah my parents have even bought it and they're like when it's done come over and watch <laughs> it together <laughs> get everyone round Joe, Joe talks about it so much all the time because um, he just talk at least four times a day he drops some sort of little gem about what happens in the film. Like, this moment is great. Yeah. And he kind of describes the whole moment to us. And then we're not allowed to see it. So that that's a bit... That's, but he's but he's actually taking... He's chopping and changing a lot of the film and putting it back into the play. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. To help with character arc. And, and it's all one... It's all continuous, the time of the play. So Joe's cut out... There's a lot of um, time lapses in the Peter Flannery version. and And he's cut most of those out and kind of put in little bits of the film to just keep it continuous. So it all happens over a shorter period of time. So the, the Peter Flannery adapta- adaptation, which is the one that you're doing, yeah. um, that was um, that opened at the National Theatre in 2009 with a former Guildhall actor, Michelle Dockery, um, who's also now a Guildhall Fellow. Mm. Um, so that's, um, it's nice to some sort of uh, continuum there as well. Um, but it, essentially, what, what happens in this, in this adaptation? What's the sort of story? <clears throat> it centres around this love triangle um, between this and, I guess, the basic thing that happens in the story is a man comes to back to his childhood home and mm. meets his 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 ex his ex is basically married now he sort of arrives and causes problems or, or yeah. not <laughs> it's hard to say um, yeah and, and and so there's the three who are involved in the love triangle um kotov marussia and meteor and then you have uh, the rest of the cast who play uh, members of the family um, and we, our characters are members of like the intelligentsia in Russia, and they try and they're trying to get by through the the Stalin era without having to change their lifestyle, and and it's very much they try and like suppress it, ignore it, deny it, and pretend everything's happy. And yeah, something we've worked along a, a lot on in rehearsals has been. Um has been basically the two different plays that are happening at once. And for us as the family, there's this play of, of let's keep everything nice, let's enjoy our holiday because we spend most of the year in Moscow and we're finally at our nice family, upper upper, upper class yeah. home Dacha. In, in Dacha in the country. And so we're going to enjoy our holiday and make sure Nadia, the little girl, has a good time. And then the other play that happens simultaneously is um, and gets revealed throughout the action 
is is this love triangle that is really complicated hmm. and um, and <laughs> pretty dynamic. Um, but it's those two plays kind of paralleling, going at the same time. And I don't know how much we as the family really are aware, but that's hmm. I mean, we're still working that out. Yeah. So that's sort of done in secret. The love triangle stuff is is separate to the to the family's knowledge. I suppose. Yeah. Like Logan says. I mean, obviously, we're not there when it on stage. It is a private scene. But you're sort of unaware of whether they they know or they don't, or they're just turning. They they possibly are turning a blind eye, or just giving them their space to sort it out whilst we enjoy a holiday and carry on going. <laughs> um. Yeah. That, that's a big. That's a big question. Is like how much the intelligentsia is aware of a lot of things so how much yeah. are we aware of the love triangle and equally how much are we aware of Stalinist Russia and just what Stalin is mm. doing because our lives have been affected but in a way we're we're like these play things of this General Kotov character we're saved by him a lot in yeah our lifestyle is maintained by his kindness and his love for his wife who is part of our family so there's a lot of questions of in the play because the Stalinist purges are just beginning and Stalin's murdering all of his all of his friends and colleagues and all that and um, so you, you get a sort of flavour of that without actually sort of explicitly seeing it or hearing about it definitely mm. yeah definitely it's it's in there from really the from the first scene of the play we it have was, a lot of music yeah. um, we've got the, these characters called the pioneers who are S- sort of the equivalent of Hitler Youth, but for, for Russia, um, and they're they're there from the beginning. So you get, do get the impression that the world has changed for these people. They're surrounded by this propaganda everywhere, and yeah, it's it's there. Well, it's interesting you, you talk about the music. So we also, we actually have sound designer Erin um, Witten here. I don't know if he did the music as well, or whether it's just sort of other other parts of sound design. What what exactly uh, was your role? No, I didn't. Uh, we there's quite a lot of because um, uh, Mitya is um, described as a bit virtuosic kind of character. Um, so there's a lot of classical music that's sort of integrated into the play. Um, I don't really know if I should say what they are, but you know, um, they kind of, they kind of are played by him to sort of highlight different moments and relationships and memories that he's um, that he's bringing back for people. I think, um, and a lot of that um, in the play, a lot of it is Puccini, but a lot of what we've used is actually what they used in the film. So. Again, the crossover the f- between the film and the, <laughs> and the um, play version. The, the film you, you haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and may never see. Yeah, well. <laughs> so it has its way. Exactly. <laughs> so in terms of the actual soundscape that yeah. you, you created, mm-hmm. I asked you just before we started recording, what was your inspiration? You said, well, you know, the, the, the film <laughs> and the, the plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a joke. Um, I think uh, what I found a lot with this play in particular with every play, but with this one in particular, is that you kind of have this balance, this kind of sacrifice of sound and silence. And I think because there's so much music in this play, when you're not using the music, you kind of have to... I've kind of had a, a point of going, do I want to underscore this bit or do I not? Because there are some moments in the text that are just so powerful without anything. And I think... 
maybe with theatre that you don't get in film. You kind of have to account for what 200, 300 people all sitting on the edge of their seats is going to do for a moment, as opposed to, you know, a little bit of music, which could totally ruin the tension that you've built. So I think, I think that has been a lot of what I've done, is sort of the balance of the music with the silence. And at what sort of point do you get involved with the, the, the creative team? At what point do you, do you get together with Joe and uh, work out what the, what the music and the sound <laughs> is going to be like? Well, um, I've kind of known what the play was going to be since, l- since sort of the last term, the b- beginning of last term. So I've, I'd read it a couple of times, um, but we had a creative meeting, well, like a production meeting just before Easter. Um, and that's the point at which we first hear Joe's concept and Dora's concept um, for the for the play. Um, but we had a meeting just at the beginning of this term, so it kind of all kicks off straight away. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got loads and loads of ideas all happening at once. And, and how did you get the job? Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're in your second year <laughs> yeah, of yeah. a technical theatre arts course. Um, and it's, is it unusual for a second year to be responsible for sound or lighting design? Uh, no, there's always... Um, it's more often you get um, second year lighting designers, but I think that's just because no one's ever really interested in doing sound design in their second year. So um, I guess I, got, I just got lucky, I guess. There was a slot free and they let me do it. So Brilliant. Works for me. Brilliant. Um, and, uh, well, Emily and Logan, you've... Um, I don't know if you've worked with Joe Blatchley before, but um, no. listeners may remember him, um, his Napoli Millionaria from, from last year, uh, which is really, really good. Um, what do you find um, sort of different or distinctive about his, his style of, of directing? Uh, well, the big thing is that in uh, week two of rehearsals, um, he did a, a week of improvisations with us. So every day we would come in in the morning We'd set up, be it physically, set up the space with furniture or talk about a situation and set up a... I mean, the first one was Christmas Day with the family, so we had to set up the room to look like Christmas Day. We had a tree, we we had (laughs) presents for each of us and we had to chat about what what exactly is the situation and and um, what's the day, what's, what's just happened in the past, why are we doing Christmas suddenly now... Um, and then, and then for I don't know how long it lasted, maybe two hours. We we just were in character and and had a meal, we had food. Took a lot. Christmas Day was probably the biggest one to organise. Um, and we every day we had one of those. And I've we've never had that with a director before. Where we've done improvs, but they've been possibly just a you know improv. Um, the first 10 minutes that happens before the scene and then you do the scene or they their improvs where two people in the space and the rest of the cast are are watching them but this one was very different because everyone was involved joe made sure that every character was involved even the characters were slightly smaller in the play they had something to do so we weren't it wasn't an improv where we had an audience so there's that tension of oh i better be good and interesting it was just we were just there and it would be fine to sort of sit by yourself for a while and be the character. That's totally cool. Um, and it was just really nice to have that freedom and um, just just it was just pressure off our shoulders and we've got to really explore the characters 
being ourselves because we were just like me and Logan sitting here having a chat as our characters and we weren't having to perform for anyone and it was and through a result of that we created a a relationship between the two of us. So that's all it's all designed so that when you actually do the do the scenes from the play you feel like you are more the character than you would have been previously. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, Joe went to Drama Centre, I believe, and he comes from this this um this world that that, that does that a lot, does a lot of um prepar- character preparation. He talks about you know, um, cleaning, clean, playing, um, playing a character in Three Sisters, and cleaning his boots for like an hour before going on stage to just get into character, and kind of the Daniel Day Lewis thing of you know when he did Lincoln, he made hilarious, hilarious stories about Daniel Day Lewis making people text him as as pre- Mr. President, <laughs> and and Joe loves that kind of thing, um, and I think that that's really that's really a lot of what has formed the experience of working with Joe. He's also really big on actions, which I guess is his, or somebody else's, I'm sure it's his adapted version of Stanislavski's word for objectives or various other people's words, intentions, mm-hmm. different words for the same meaning, which is basically what you as a character want from another character in a moment. And so that's really what he works with. And we'll, we'll run the scenes over and over and over and over again in rehearsal, like we would with any director. But then... Um, then he'll stop us a lot of the time and say, what do you want right now? What's your action? What are you looking for? What do you want? And and that differs in some ways from other directors. Of course, other directors are always kind of leading you towards that. But that is something that he's very specific about. And um, yeah, we've worked with so many different directors at this year. We've worked with, I've worked with Mike Alfreds and Wynne Jones, who's on the staff. And, and um, it's just so many different people who have these different approaches. And um, and and Joe has his own really. Joe has his own way, and he's a he's a director teacher. If anything, that's his. I'd say that that's how I would mm. look at him. That's what I've gotten from him. Is that he? And a question he asked us on the first day was, "Do you want me to direct you, or do you want me to teach you?" And we said, well, we want both. <laughs> of course we want both. He's, he's capable of both, basically. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what he's like with, yeah. with what he was like with Napoli, but for us, he's done both, which has been really lovely. Wonderful. Um, just a final mention, going back to the, um, the, the play, Burnt by the Sun. Um, uh, is there anything else you can tell us about the sort of the, the set and the costume designer at this stage without giving too much away? Um... Well, I think it's okay to say that I think the main, what I've heard from Dora is the, the, the designer is that she really wanted the open feeling for the set. Um, I, we, we have a house, but we don't have walls. They're imaginary walls. Mm. Um, because that's sort of the whole I- idea of their holiday home. They have this space and Russia is vast and... Um, and as for the costumes, um... well, the costumes are Dora's work. I mean, especially with Napoli, I remember. And there's this there's this feeling of like a meticulous attention that she has to detail. And so with the costumes, there's all these little things and mm. and you know braces that people will never see mm. or or um, or socks, you know, specific kind of very. And she paint she's painting she's painted this portrait of Ed who's playing General Kotov. Um, she's painted it herself 
and and it's kind of it feels like her um it's coming from her hands in some way it's like her own creation mm. um and and i i haven't seen the set yet but i can definitely say from the costumes there's this feeling of like an amazing attention to detail and a real care for um for cre- really creating the 1936 world that we're mm. we have to inhabit we are inhabiting and um and i can't wait to get a lot of the costumes on. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for coming today. Thanks for giving us your time and uh, really looking forward to seeing you both um, in action and hearing your sound, Erin, uh, of course. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Guildhall School Events podcast. Tickets for Burnt by the Sun, which runs from the 26th to the 30th of May 2015 in Milton Court Theatre, are on sale now from the Barbican box office, in person, over the phone or online at gsmd.ac.uk.